As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time. Hosted by digital marketing consultants Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. The making of a marketer post Super Bowl recap, Jess and Andy. And on this Monday afternoon, Jess, it was a festive Sunday evening. I know that we were looking through this through a marketing lens, but a great game that we saw yesterday. I believe it was the second overtime Super Bowl in the history of the NFL. Don't quote me or correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I believe that's correct. And, yes. you know, a very difficult loss uh, for the 49ers, but the Chiefs remain you know the dynasty that's kind of running the tables right now in the nfl world yes i was really surprised that that was the second time that a game has gone into overtime in the super bowl i i thought there were more but yes it was a good game i am still heartbroken for the 49ers in san francisco but just like we were talking about this was everything the nfl wanted in yes in a game, in a broadcast, in an experience, it it really all did come together. So I had a life lesson from the overtime. So this, when I thought about it, it really related to real life in a way. So just are you familiar that there was a major overtime rule change? And this was the first time that it was in play this year. I did hear about this yes. this morning. So there were multiple members on the 49ers that said they weren't aware of the rule change going in. So 
what this reminded me of, you know how you sit in meetings and you're like, hey, there's this new legislation, there's this new tool, there's this new product, there's this new thing. And you're kind of like, yeah, 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 it won't come into play. You know, and you just kind of like don't pay a whole lot of attention. That's what it felt like to me. And then like when it happens, you're like, oh, crap, we talked about that. And it's like too late to like reverse engineer. So it goes back to the coin flip. The 49ers win the coin flip and they choose to receive the ball. So under the new rules for overtime is even if you score a touchdown the first time you get the ball, the other team gets it afterwards. So there's a distinct advantage to getting the ball second because you know what you need to do. So for instance, the Chiefs were down by three points. So they knew they had to either get a field goal to keep the game alive or they had to get a touchdown to win. But, you know, if you're the team that goes first and it's like a fourth down, for instance, you don't know if you need three points. You don't know if you should just punt the ball. You don't know if you need to get a touchdown. So analytically, it makes more sense to take the ball second. And when they did the coin flip, it seemed like the 49ers were thinking it was the old rule. You score a touchdown first and the game is over. So it's one of those like nuances that I feel like is going to be talked about a lot. And it related me back to life lessons. Like you're kind of like, yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah, 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 whatever. I got, you know, a million other things to do. And then it comes back and it gets you in the worst way when you're least expecting it. It's funny that you bring this up because I had a very similar thought. And when I heard about this, my thought was, wow, this this really does come back to communication. It's all about how we communicate. Yes. And that that's what I, I, I took from that. It it was a very good game. I I am still very proud of the 49ers and how they showed up. And for Purdy's first Super Bowl experience, I thought he did very well. I was a little surprised. Like I thought the 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 game changing moment or what really turned the tides was the blocked field goal. Because if we think about it, if they made that field, if the 49ers made that field goal, uh, we would have been in a, a very different position. It would have forced the Chiefs to have to throw a touchdown yes. versus kicking a field goal to tie it. So that swung the points quite a bit. Yes. Yes. But nonetheless, it was excellent as me as an innocent bystander watching this one. Um, I got my Steelers shirt on here. If you're watching the video feed, we got eliminated a very long time ago. So um, I just enjoyed it. And I think the overall product, let's talk about that product from the NFL perspective. So just you and I today, this is a special episode, live reaction, unrehearsed uh, NFL Super Bowl special but let's talk about the product that was on the field. I'll start with the halftime show and then we'll lead into the commercials. So I wanted to like go down this nostalgic train of to the 2010s here. So, you know, Usher, Alicia Keys, Ludacris, like everybody was wondering who's going to be the surprise people that join. So we got two of the three right, but I'm sitting here the whole time. If you're familiar with marketing and the dynamic of pop culture in that era, like Usher, Justin Bieber, like those two go hand in hand together, multiple collabs. Uh, Justin Bieber's rising of the ranks was tied to Usher and also Ludacris, where they had done uh, songs together. So like the whole time we're waiting to see who's going to pop out. 
I think uh, we got it all right. You know, the rumors had said Ludacris and Alicia Keys, but we're just waiting for Bieber the whole time. We didn't get it. Uh, But uh, I think overall, I'm curious, as we always see with these halftime shows, what the music sales do and the Spotify downloads and things like that, because as cool as it was for me to see Usher, because that's kind of my era, I don't know how much Usher really hits Gen Z right now. I'm not sure if that's an it person. So it'll be interesting to see if some of these songs get that airplay that it used to have, some of the trends that we could see on like TikTok videos, like whatever that may be. It's just interesting when we see artists from, you know, 10 years ago show up today and still bring it at this stage in his mid 40s. Well, you bring up a very good point because I did think this was an overall theme of the entire experience. So halftime, the game, uh, the the commercials, this idea of bringing back these groups of people or or our, our partners, partners in crime that really hit a chord in pop culture uh, during a certain era, and I personally thought with uh you know Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon with Usher, Ludacris and Usher and Alicia Keys and what were, what were some of the other ones that were that were good good nostalgic callbacks but like th- those are the top ones that resonated with me the the NFL and like the, the the teams putting on this entire experience really knew who the audience here was and really knew who the buying the buying groups were. So I, I think it was very strategic in reaching Gen Z, uh, uh not Gen Z, what are we? Millennials, millennials plus. Because I mean, we're we're the, really like the, the majority buying group here. Mm-hmm. the decision makers and so i i thought it was very uh very strategic in putting together the people that they put together and having these callbacks and having this nostalgia so here's my like counterplot to this jess is <laughs> i feel like we look at these commercials and we look at the appearances by celebrities in them and you're absolutely right like I feel like the youngest celebrity, for the most part, uh, would have been kind of 2010's pop era. Starry did Ice Spice, that was more Gen Z artists, but 2010's, and then like all the way up to Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jennifer Aniston popped up. uh, Oh, yeah. Of course. It's a very specific group to what you're saying. I also, though, feel like the one thing I feel like a little bit disappointed on when it comes to the commercials is it feels extremely formulaic to me. It's like this era of superstar, uh, this soda drink, something kind of witty and funny. Uh, We've done this, you know, 13 different times and 13 different ways. Let's redo it. So if it works, though, we always talk in marketing, like you got to kind of like dabble like does it work so we keep doing it or do we try something new so for somebody like we'll say you know soda budweiser places like that that are always involved with the super bowl i think they kind of know where they fit in and they know their strategy for somebody new that's popping up and they want to like go into the pop culture world if they are trying to dabble into gen z i feel like 
I want someone to try something new. We've gotten so formulaic with these ads and it's the exact same group we're marketing to, the exact same people pop up every year. You know, there's so many people in Gen Z to appeal to. You could take macro influencers, you know, modern pop culture. Uh, we could, you know, look at some uh, of the hotter artists right now. Like if for Lil Wayne doing home.com, could we have done MGK or Jack Harlow or big names right now? And in the pop world, Taylor Swift is hot, obviously, and like the number one. But there are other pop artists that are, that are starting to showcase themselves. There are YouTubers that are out there that are really popular. So I just don't feel like we're, we're not dabbling into this audience enough and nobody's taking a risk on it. So that would be what I would want to see in the future is if we are trying to get younger audiences into the game, how do we get to them? But at the same time, it's it, it's very product dependent. So like Squarespace, for instance, popped up there. I probably for Squarespace, I probably wouldn't be using a Gen Z influencer. So I think it's really depends on who uh, we're marketing to and what the company is. But just for me, like trying to break through the white noise, I was kind of like, oh, another one of the same celebrities again. And it was like hard for me to keep watching that over and over and over again. Yeah, there was also 30 Rock callback uh park parks and rec callback and you know aaron fung even responded to us saying that his sister was involved with producing and creating that mountain dew commercial and i i i i agree with you in general i thought the game was very good very entertaining kept us on the edge of our seat and it was the 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 commercials and even the halftime show it just it was it it was very uh, flat, and I and I mean that sounds that sounds negative, but you're you're right, and I think we should talk about this too, this idea that how things are with social media and how uh, things have evolved. I, I I do believe that people are very scared to take risks. I mean, it it felt to me like yeah, we brought back some of these uh, great collaborations. We had these great callbacks that really appealed to the buying groups that were watching the Super Bowl. But it was it was like, we're not going to take a risk. We're, we're, we're not going to really push those creative boundaries because we don't want to offend anyone. We don't so, want to upset anyone. So, so I, I want to talk more about that. The modern pop artist. And I thought about this kind of deeply, and I don't have an answer for this yet. So I'm looking for a live answer. Maybe someone in the comment section, if you have a thought, be sure to, to ping us as we're talking this through. We'll bring it up on the live show if you're listening live. Are the modern pop artists of 2024 not as marketable as they were in 1998, 2005, 2010? Because I remember, for instance, Britney Spears, you know, excellent episode, a couple episodes back, we uh, went through her book, but Britney Spears was popping up in these ads when she was 18, 20, 21, like the height or beginning of her stardom, if you will. And there are other artists out there right now that are popping off and they're, they're big and they're probably more big in the social media world than the record sales or radio world because the way that we consume media is very different than when we consumed media for, let's say, Usher. But we keep going back to this era of pop stars and pop culture to do our marketing. Are the artists now or actors and actresses now not marketable? Are they not coveted? Are they too controversial? Because they tend to, you know, when we look at newer artists, 
and younger uh, uh, Hollywood professionals, they tend to be a little bit more opinionated and they tend to keep less to the vest is, you know, our brands afraid of getting canceled because they know that, hey, we got this group here. They know what they do. They're safe. Like, I don't know if I have the answer to it, but I started to wonder that because I think about pop artists right now and Taylor Swift is kind of like, you know, the one, you know, above everybody else. But I also remember Taylor Swift when she was in her early era, if you will, it was like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and Kesha, Lady Gaga and Beyonce was popping. And it was just like this whole group of young artists and they were all marketable and they've been marketable now for 15 years. But where's the new crop? And should they be influencers instead? Should they be YouTubers instead? That's where I'm hung up. I was like, we, we got to find a way to transition a little bit to get some new faces on these commercials. Yeah. So then just, again, just taking, taking those risks, but I just think that the, the way that social media works and with everything being scrutinized and really looked at with a fine tooth comb, you, you, you don't want to offend. You don't want, you know, you're walking on those eggshells. So you're right. I, I think the, the formula was very, very similar. Lots of just like, let's get these celebrity endorsements in and I didn't really see any breakthroughs. And that's my argument is if I'm sending, if we're sitting in a brand room right now, so the average spot, I believe it was $7 million either for 30 seconds or 60 seconds. I think it was 30. So $7 million like gets you into the Super Bowl game just to run the ad one time. Plus you're going to pay the talent fees. So if you're getting multiple celebrities, you're going to probably double that cost. So we're just going to say 20 million. Plus you're going to get the production fees where I'm just going to throw on 3 million. So you're looking at like a $23 million commercial right out of the gate. So if we're going big with these celebrity endorsements and this commercial and this new brand message and whatever that is, you know, my take on this, Jess, is it has to have some legs to it. Like if you're going $23 million one and done, there are so many other ways you can burn off that money and you can make it last a lot longer than one day. I know you get the most eyes in the Super Bowl, but the most eyes are only as powerful as your always on strategy that follows it. I also think of the impressions too, that will be coming from YouTube today as people go back and watch all of them. They might've missed. There might be additional clips out there like 15s or lengthier sixties. So are you taking advantage of that opportunity? Are there social media ads to follow? Uh, even the celebrities, you know, if they are your spokespeople, you know, for this commercial, are they your spokespeople for the rest of the year? So I'm going to be really curious to see who makes that play long term. And I think what we saw last year when we had a conversation about this with Workday and did kind of a case study behind it, they used their rock star approach basically to set up the rest of the year. I feel like Workday had the template for everybody else to follow. Like if they weren't listening to the making of a marketer of like how to execute brand Super Bowl strategy, go back and listen. And if you can get on it right now, I think that's the ultimate way to go. Yes, the 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 rock star still lives. The work workday rock star. I think they're they're still leveraging it. The 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 closest brands that came to it last night were Sarah V with Michael Sarah. They've actually been doing 
promotions on Twitter. They've gotten some influencers involved where right before the Super Bowl, there were photos released of Michael Sarah walking around Brooklyn and walking around New York with just tons of bottles of the moisturizing cream. And people were like, why does he have like a duffel bag of the cream? He also showed up in uh, some uh, pharmacies in Brooklyn and like the influencers came in and said, Michael Sarah is here handing out uh, Sarah bottles and he's signing bottles of lotion like get down here quickly so I thought that was really good now how many people know Michael Sarah like I mean does Michael Sarah have that status where I, I thought it was an excellent play on his name so we'll see what they continue to do to play off that endorsement and then also to Bud Light Bud Light reminded me of what Rihanna was doing last year with Fenty and her makeup uh, line during the halftime show, like showing it off. I don't know if you noticed during or after the Bud Light commercial, then you got a shot of Post Malone in the Bud Light box with the entire cast of the commercial drinking Bud Light. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought those were were two brands that, you know, pushed it a little further, tried to maximize the the 30 second screen time and we'll see what they continue to do so i want to stay on this topic here of ugc so you take it to a place that i love jess because tv commercials there's this thought that tv is different from social media is different from other mediums but i feel like if you bring it together it like becomes this combined effort so i did highlight two commercials that I felt like hit that UGC effort that I really liked. The first was uh, the Beyonce uh, for Verizon ad about breaking the internet. This one right now, depending who you ask, is ranking super, super high. And I love that they did something to the effect where they're like, if you think this Super Bowl show was good, wait till you know we break the internet with Verizon. And they actually did like a pre-ad to the ad that came up. So when it comes on, you got Beyonce uh, talking about all of these different viral events and how she's going to break Verizon's 5G. So there's the launch of AI. There's a rocket ship of her being the first woman in space. Uh, there's these very relevant kind of UGC approaches where they talk about how it's being reacted to on social media. It shows people on their phones. It shows Verizon staying on and being the strongest social media network. So there are so many things at play right here that I liked on a non-humorous end, but more impactful uh, probably for cause-driven marketing. Uh, Google did a really good job um, on their UGC strategy to showcase their product uh, for users with low vision and how they could frame pictures and tell the Google camera how to take the picture. And it could be something they capture for the rest of their life. So like the key moments of their life, uh, they are able to instruct the camera to capture those selfies, having your first kid, uh, things like that. I thought that was a really moving ad. What it did is it showed the human experience with somebody with blurred vision, and then it shows them instructing the phone to take the picture, clears it up for you, but it actually shows the UGC aspect of this 
uh, to where they're utilizing the product within the ad itself. Something I teach a lot in my sessions, like if you can show the product in a savvy one-to-one -one way, there's no better way to do it because you aren't necessarily selling, you're showing and you're speaking with your audience. So I love those two strong strategies when it comes to UGC, but in a TV produced world. Yes, yes. I absolutely think there was opportunity to focus more on Beyonce. She was at the game. Like just imagine if like something happened live at the game with Beyonce and uh, her phone using mm -hmm. Verizon's network. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it could have been pushed a little further absolutely loved the google ad as well it made me think about like what we were reading and sitting pretty and what Susie wise was talking more about like the sense of belonging by by really like showcasing what it's like to live in that person's shoes and like just give more of a perspective so i, I want to see more of that i love that they showed like yeah this is what he is seeing through his eyes I think we can do that more with uh, the deaf as well, where it's like you have more scenes or you have more content where it's silent. And yeah. so it's like, this is what, this is what they're experiencing. So I, yes, loved it. So your point about the Beyonce ad. So let's, let's take this another layer. So let's say we're in a marketing room and I still think this was a great ad. It stuck out to me, but let's say we want to instead be a little bit more controversial. Like we really want to break the internet. Cause let's be real, like Beyonce, while very popular, gets tons of engagement. She's not very controversial, at least at this age. There's not gonna be a lot she's going to do. It's probably going to break the internet. So a lot of things will get a lot of engagement, but she isn't gonna kind of like push the needle like with that. So I think of people that are like highly controversial and if we're talking about breaking the internet, what if we utilize one of them? Well, not as popular as Beyonce, like world renowned, but someone that comes to mind like Jake Paul, who is the YouTuber slash boxer, um, whoever talks about him, you know, they either love him or hate him. You know, I would think even put Gary V up there. I think he's world renowned enough to put on an ad like that. Uh, another person I could think of is putting um, Billy McFarland in Fire Festival on there. Like, <laughs> hey, Fire Fest 2 is dropping and like breaks the internet because everybody's looking at the orange square. So like while Verizon maybe not doesn't want to take that path, but this is where my brain kind of goes. Like if you wanted to like really push it, there's some people out there that would probably get people talking. And then you think about the social media aspect. If they were able to position that, let's say they were able to have like Beyonce going around the stadium, taking selfies with people, doing group shots, like, you know, some sort of, you know, type of social media viral stunt. There could have been a whole other play there that piggybacks mm -hmm. on that. I feel like it's less likely a safe celebrity is going to do something like that. I think it's more likely one of the more controversial celebrities is going to go all in with this campaign. So that's where I think brands just have to make that decision. Mm -hmm. So here's a good litmus test. When you woke up this morning, what brands, what ads did you remember? And remember where you recall the brand name as well before you looked things up again. 
That's tough. I, and that, and that's the problem that that's, <laughs> yes. so this is the exact argument I have with Super Bowl ads, Jess. Like, it's kind of like, it's funny, haha. And then it goes away. I'd say the two, um, Duncan would be one. So the yeah. Duncan boy band, again, I, I, I really wish they would have gone a little younger. Like Duncan's a young brand. Like I'm thinking Gen Z coffees, refreshing drinks. And then we're rolling out Ben Affleck, j-lo tom brady like this is not their era but i still liked it i'm being nitpicky i know i like the kind of boy band approach they went with it was funny they had the outfits on with the dunkings so i feel like for brand placement they didn't say duncan on the brand they spun it off into something else so that's a little risky too because you talk to brand people and you put the colors and the brand name and then you change it for a commercial. I can see old school marketing managers just freaking out over this, just like throwing stuff across the room. You can't change the brand name. So I think there is moderate risk here, but the moderate risk of Dunkings and not just calling it Duncan actually helped retainment for me. I would say the other one I woke up uh, and remembered immediately was probably the Google campaign, just because mm -hmm. I yeah. saw how they could cleverly use their product in a very conversational manner. So I'd say those are the two. Beyonce I like for different reasons, but I would say like I'm in a week, I'm probably not going to be thinking about their 5G network. Yes, I agree. Those those were mine as well. I, I did remember State Farm Insurance, uh, mostly because of the Arnold and Danny DeVito callback, and which I absolutely love. Twins is one of my favorite movies ever. So I loved seeing that. And also too, like State Farm, they were consistent. They really invested in like consistently running throughout all points of the Super Bowl and the experience. So that helped with the retention as well. And yeah, I loved Dunkin' Donuts and I loved the continuation from last year. And I, I thought the, the groupings were spot on. And then, you know, one, this is just for me, I would say this is probably more my world versus just like big brand world. I did have a great appreciation for what Squarespace did. So, you know, you and I, we were kind of in the tech industry, B2B brand stuff that's not as widely marketable as something like Bud Light or Starry Cola or, or any of that. But I like that Squarespace went with the alien approach. It wasn't anything new. We've seen aliens on the Super Bowl for a long time. But I felt like they made it relevant to their product. So websites make it real. So kind of like making fun of, you know, aliens, if they're real or not, conspiracy theorists and jumping into all that. This is another opportunity where I feel like if they take the workday playbook, they could utilize websites, make it real for the next year. And I feel like that could be a successful just introduction to this new brand statement. And for a product like Squarespace, if I didn't work in this industry, I would have no idea what the heck it is. Let's be honest, like B2B brands, as much as we love them, if you're not in that buying space, I don't know what in the world you're advertising. So they were actually able to make that easily understood and funny at the same time. So while not as like big brand as some of these other ads, I had an appreciation for that. Anytime a B2B 
or like B2C tech company that's more of like a professional style service takes a little bit of a risk to try to be funny. I just have great appreciation that they're breaking through. Yes. CrowdStrike also tried as well. And, you know, they they had a, I would say it was a play on Star Wars and, you know, Westerns. Like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, recall, but it just, it, yeah, there was some outer space elements. There was some Western elements. Uh, they, they, they definitely could have pushed it a little further to help with that understanding and the, the value that they're bringing their customers. Cause I, I was a little, I was unclear. I feel like I have to go back. I know what you're talking about. You know how there's like certain ones you watch and you're like, I took it all in. There's other ones I watched. And I need to go back and look at it again. So that one, I'd have to go back and look at it again, but that was another for me again, appreciation of seeing a brand, try it, you know, just get out there and do it. So it's always to me interesting to see what brands do this too. Like there's your mainstays that we see all the time. So you, your your Pepsi, cola drinks, you know, Starry was a big one. Um, we see Coke, we see Budweiser, we see a lot of them pop up. It's interesting too. So we're gonna have to go, let's go into this PR world now, Jess, before we close out. I'm gonna take us to I'm gonna take us to a sad world. Is there's a lot of companies that pop up here. So $7 million is like the entry level to get into the commercial. But there's a lot of companies that paid for these that have had significant layoffs. Like I saw Snapchat on there and I was like, because mm, they just had a major layoff. And then they're talking about how they want to be less social. It's almost like they're trying to rebrand on there. So I feel like as I'm a company right now, and I put out an ad and I just had a significant change in staffing direction and whatnot, I almost have to be ready to defend that because now if I need my marketing team, my branding team to go in and just back this thing and champion it, we're doing you know more with less, we may not get our bonus this year, real life things, and I have to back this huge brand push you made that is going to be an internal fight, in my opinion, for marketers around the industry. And I'm just sitting here, and that's kind of my thought process as I watch some of these. Is I wonder how these internal marketing teams now take the next step from running this ad. And that's, again, I feel like the ad is the starting point, but it's what happens next is what's going to either make or break it in six months. And maybe that's good for us to do. Maybe we should review this again in six months to see who really went in with their new brand push. But when I saw Snap trying to do a little bit of a rebrand styled effort right there, it just got me to thinking that there are some companies that have gone uh, through a lot of changes, but are still investing in Super Bowl, which I found just interesting from a macro level. Yes. And I, I think this applies to every brand that runs on th this platform and, you know, this gets this worldwide exposure and just, just anyone in general, just any brand that's advertising and, and, and marketing in this way, we talk a lot about storytelling. It's a, it's a hype, hype word it's all the buzz lot, lots of trending hashtags on storytelling and what's more important though is the the true essence of storytelling is actually the story that you're living 
So I think you have to live the story in order to be a good storyteller. So I'd like to see more emphasis on like the story these brands are living. And that's that behind the scenes. So yeah. I don't I don't feel like we got a lot of behind the scenes mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl crop and in what companies are doing and what they're they're trying to be. One that I would one so here's something that's interesting. I caught this right before we went live, so I don't have a lot of background on this. Lyft actually did a viral campaign that basically was explaining on social media why they didn't run a Super Bowl ad. So they put their social media ads on as the Super Bowl went live, and they said that they spent the $7 million they would have spent on a Super Bowl ad, making sure their drivers took home better pay. So I was like, oh, okay, so that's a behind-the-scenes strategy right there, and that's an interesting nuance to this whole thing. Okay, so you bring this up, and I did see on LinkedIn some posts around Uber, Uber Eats spending that money and people calling them out and saying, why wasn't it spent on the driver? So now I get that, that reference. (laughs) And it's probably my guess is this is just me theorizing here is Uber, I believe, has done Super Bowl in the past. So they just kind of know that they're likely going to be there. So Lyft is banking uh, that they know there's going to be a commercial up there. They know Uber and what their typical approach is. Again, there's a playbook to Super Bowl ads. So they probably have a good guess as to what direction Uber Eats is going to take. And we're like, we're going to take a completely alternative direction. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to put the $7 million into our uh, employer brand and our product. So that was fascinating to see that direction. I I appreciated it. Again, that's a little bit of a risk. It's something a little different. uh, But you sure eliminated a lot of production costs. And you didn't have to hire any celebrities to do it. So I'll be interested to see how it plays out. That's that industry there. Uh, Uber Lyft, that's one that is evolving over the course of time. I know neither have really showcased tons of profits since they got into the game. They see themselves as tech companies, almost like tech startups where they're trying to get to a certain level. Then they're going to start to turn profit. So I feel like if that's the game and that's where you're at, I feel like high risk is more what you need to go for. And if you're Coca-Cola, you kind of already have that brand built. Maybe you are you don't need to be high risk. And I understand that too. So I appreciate when brands will take a shot at it like that. Yes, uh, that's a way of describing it, taking a shot. I mean, th- those are fighting words. That's like a direct attack yes. on another brand yes. right there in the hopes that, well, here's our value proposition or here's what our brand believes in. This other brand doesn't believe in that. So, you know, join us, ride with us. Yes. So we'll see how it plays out. Again, I want to watch these over the course of time. All we can do, like everything you heard today, and definitely, again, leave us a comment on this if you have any take on your Super Bowl ads. But just all you and I can do today is theorize because this is, for anyone in the marketing room, a great reminder here is that We always want things to just work. We want viral moments. We want splash plays. We want all of this. And I feel like 
they will definitely have been made from the ads that have been run for everybody that ran an ad. Their brand lift has probably gone through the roof for today. But you always have to remember, this is a long game. And what happens today versus what happens in six to 12 months from now are completely different. So I always feel like in the marketing room, you can't get too up. You can't get too down. I think you should be celebrating on this Monday. Pop some champagne and celebrate that Super Bowl commercial. Don't listen to us nitpicking. You still put something amazing together. But what happens tomorrow is going to be more important and how you can stretch this. Because with anything, Jess, to prove success and why we should do this again, or if you took a risk, why we should take a risk again, it's going to be what happens next and what metrics you're trying to hit and if you had a goal in place, like let's say it was a brand awareness goal, it was a conversion goal, whatever it was, are you able to articulate articulate why $7 million on this ad led to X and Y? And if you can, with that always on strategy, it'll lead to bigger and better things down the road. So that's what I would always say just to marketing rooms is even non-Super Bowl, if you're going for a splash, go for that splash but there still is a tomorrow after it hits. Yes. Think like Marvel. This is your blockbuster content. You released it. We applaud you for it. That's absolutely incredible. You were on the main stage. Now, what are you going to do to build off of this blockbuster? I release and- several Iron Man movies. <laughs> yes. And they can, they've got the content and we've been talking about, they can, you know, change it and adjust it, adjust it and take little things and, and make something larger and continue to live that story. And just quickly though, speaking of the celebration, I, (laughs) that would be the behind the scenes. I would like NFL a member celebrating the the Chiefs, the Chiefs fans in Las Vegas. I I I I I'm surprised we're not hearing more about people just like really getting into it last night. It's trouble. Um, it's big I, trouble. I'll go on TikTok voyage today to see like what's popping up out there. I did see um at the Chiefs <laughs> after party, Marshmallow was there, uh the DJ, and they were partying with Marshmallow again. Freaking marshmallow. That would be great for a Super Bowl ad. It's like Gen Z, the electronic dance music crowd. Like That's a brand right there. Put a marshmallow head on your head that lights up and play some, you know, uh, dance music with a lot of uh, celebrities and co-collaborators. That would have been pretty awesome, in my opinion. But that's just, again, me if Andy were to run a Super Bowl commercials. You know, other thing we talk about Marvel, Jess, like here's a missed opportunity So like a big thing in the Marvel world is the metaverse right now. So time travel, different eras, things like that. What if like I'm marketing for McDonald's and my commercial is the McDonald's metaverse. So we like go back to like them doing this whole grimace thing. And like the commercial is all like, and it's talking about like Ronald McDonald from like the 1980s and like he appears But then there's like Ronald from 2024 and they meet in the metaverse and they like talk about the menu options they have now. And it's like, you're ordering on a screen. You know, why are you doing that? And like, there's like a whole play there. So I feel like 
you mentioned Marvel and it popped into my head is the way to make anything fun and nostalgic is just throw the metaverse where time travel is possible and you can connect the dots on just about anything. Definitely. I, okay. We, we have to go there now just to quickly mention it. Cause you called it out. The, the one commercial trying to do that or going back in time was JFK juniors commercial yes. to devote independent using his uncle's uh, old campaign material yeah, campaign, yeah yeah and that <laughs> is all we will say about politics <laughs> that's all we'll have uh, i i uh i loosely knew he was running but i guess it was a brand awareness play that he is so i was like oh and then i was like on to the next commercial <laughs> so but that uh that wraps it up for today jess so i think we should revisit this i think that too you know, if you are somebody out there, I will be pinging some marketing managers out there. But if you're someone tied to one of these commercials or strategies, we'd love to have you on the show. So just put an open ask out there while this still stays relevant. But I think we'll be watching this over the course of time, see how these ads play out. And I thank you, Jess, because a lot of times in the past, I zoned out on commercials. I have a real hard time just like keen in the commercials. But I felt like I did a lot better time uh, this Super Bowl, so I came prepared for you. Yes, you had the, you had the notebook out. You were you were ready to go. Well, sounds good. We will talk soon and get some post Super Bowl content up and running. And we got a lot of fun guests and different things lined up for you. So we are excited to keep the marketing conversation conversation going. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Danielle Wiley hosts a great podcast called The Art of Sway. Danielle, tell us what you talk about on the show. The Art of Sway brings listeners inside the world of marketing as seen through the lens of influence. So each week I chat with an expert guest for a lively discussion about connecting ideas with audiences in an attempt to uncover all the ways influence impacts how and what we discover, purchase, and recommend to each other. Wow. And where can people subscribe? Go to theartofswaypodcast.com, find the show at marketingpodcasts.net, or search for The Art of Sway wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.